0: Um, if you have your Bibles, I just want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Now, by uh, uh, being New Year's Eve, uh, by a show of hands, how many of you guys have started working on your New Year's plans, like resolution stuff? How many of you guys do that? Yeah, yeah, one. One person that's not cynical. Okay. Yeah. That's really, really good. That's really good. About 96% of our New Year's resolution, they say uh, never come fruition so why plan right so um but 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 you know from the emails that I, I'm just uh, looking over uh, some of the emails I subscribed to uh, this Christmas and New Year season seems to be the sweet spot for this uh, for these people okay so far I've been challenging my emails to get a new body in 28 days okay so how did they know there was something wrong with this body I, I, I don't understand that okay and then uh, they asked me to train and run a marathon in record time. That's cool, okay? Tongue, you can do this, you know, with this 60-day plan. You can r- uh, get a new personal record in your marathon. I was like, no, no, I just drive 26 miles, right? And then, um, of course, they say, Tongue, this new year, you deserve a new wardrobe. Yeah, you, need, you need new clothes for the new you. And here, probably the funniest thing I got this week, um, got an invitation to join youthpastordiet.com, okay? It's a real website, okay? And what is the diet? It's a challenge where if you sign up and you post your weekly goals of your weight, right, uh, and then you win prizes and you compete against other youth pastors across the country. Crack me up, okay? And so, and I kind of understand, right? End of the year... New Year is a really good time to evaluate, uh, to reflect on the past, and to plan and hope for a better future. And I hope that you guys are in this season of your life where, yeah, this is a good time, and you don't have to do it at the end of the year, but it, it, it kind of helps us to pause for a second and say, okay, where are we going? Where have we been and where are we going? And these are important questions. And so I, I get the privilege today of, of drawing uh, not only the year end message, but also drawing our Christmas series to a close. And Pastor Roy has been leading us through this Advent season of talking about what do we, uh, uh, what is Jesus and what does he mean to us? What do we do with our newborn king? And so that's the question that I want to just straight off the bat ask you this morning. What will you do with the newborn king? Now, it's, it's, it's kind of like, You know, you can be cynical or you can see a lot of uh, Christmas come and go, right? But I think the question of the first Christmas is the same question for us in this season of our lives. What will we do with this baby Jesus? Because if you read this gospel story, if you read the birth narrative, uh, so far, uh, those who met the baby Jesus, they either uh, worshipped him with, with their words, with praises like the shepherds, or, or they, they offer him gifts in worship, like the three wise men. Or on the other side, they try to kill him, like Herod. Or worse yet, they ignore him, like the innkeeper, and all of Bethlehem. You know, Julie and I got a chance to visit Bethlehem a few years ago, and, and, and I just got to tell you, it is a small town, okay? Now, it's a bigger city now where it's uh, where it is now, and and you know there's, there, there's places and you can drive there but i can only imagine how small that town is and and i was wondering this just this week i was wondering now if the angels all showed up okay outside of bethlehem right if the whole host of angels right these bright beings singing these songs okay how come only the shepherds heard that where are the rest of bethlehem were they all sleeping all partying they missed out what an incredible display of the heavens. So what will you do, my friends? I, that's the question before us today. And I, and I ask that with as much uh, for me as it is for you. What will you do with this baby Jesus? How will you respond? What difference will the newborn king make in this newborn year? And so in, in, in Luke chapter 2, we, we get to witness Uh, A very um, obscure person in an incredible encounter with a man named Simeon. Now, nothing is known about Simeon except for what we read about here in Luke in chapter 2. But the way Simeon responded, and I'm just going to focus just on Simeon's story today. Uh, The way he responded to the baby Jesus has a lot to say to us as we enter 2018. And it's going to be, and I'm going to st- uh, say a few words, and I'm going to challenge us as we look at 2018 to how do we respond well to what Simeon is challenging us. So if you have your Bibles there, and let's start in verse 22 of Luke chapter 2. You can look up here. Um, verse 22. So when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him that's jesus to jerusalem to present him to the lord as it is written in the law of the lord every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the lord a pair of doves and two young pigeons now i want to pause here and give you guys a little perspective a context uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and we don't know when exactly, when exact date he was born. Scholars pointed to the springtime or, or, or uh, late winter, and so March time frame, but we don't know when he was born. But we do know, and when he comes to this place, this, this consecration, this, this time of where he's presented, we know that it has to be 33 days after birth. Because that's prescribed in the law of Moses. And, and, and so Mary, being a very devout person, would know uh, that 33 days, she's going to be unclean. They're considered unclean after birth. And so to be cleansed and to be ceremony cleansed and, and to be able to go back into worship with the, with the community again, she has to go to the temple or to a place of worship and offer uh, the sacrifice, of purification. And so we know it's 33 days after uh, the birth of Jesus. And, and, and notice that it says that she was to offer uh, pigeons and, and doves. okay? These, this prescription, we know uh, back in Leviticus chapter 12, is, for, is prescribed for those who are poor. And so we know that, that Joseph and Mar- uh, Mary and Joseph are, are a poor family, and they come and they give what they have. And so scholars often uh, say that this is another indication that the, the wise men have yet to visit Jesus. And so somehow in our minds, we, we clump all of that in one night, right? That Jesus is born, angels come, right? A wise man just show up, right? We, 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 just, we just think of that, that happens, but there actually a lot of time happens in between. And so just to give you that context. And so verse 25, we continue. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon Is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. Wow, this an incredible encounter, incredible words. So what, are, what can we learn uh, from, from Simeon's response? What do we understand what he's trying to say? So I want to share four things with you. And, and these four things is really is to challenge you to consider 2018 as the year for which you can continue to grow into your relationship with the Lord. And so number one, if you have the newborn king, it means that our past is not a waste. You know, our past is not a waste. Okay, what does that mean? Simeon is described here as righteous and devout. And the proof of his devotion was that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And so let me ask the question, what if if at the end of your life and people gather around and mourn your your, your passing and people ask you, what was he like? And you were described as this man or this woman was someone who waited well. Your whole life is summed up in one word. He waited. She waited. Yeah, sure, you were devout and righteous and, and, and was full of the Holy Spirit, but you waited for your whole life for what? To see a baby. You've seen many babies, but you waited your whole life to see a baby. And I was just thinking about that a little bit this week, and I was like, in a world... In a culture where success is measured by how much you accomplish and the achievements you have attained, and at the very least, did you have any movement toward the goals and plans of your life this year? Simeon's greatest goal, greatest claim to fame was that he waited. He waited well. Is this a waste of life? Is this a waste of life? But now, of course, you know, as readers, we know that his life was not wasted. We know that God spoke to him. We know that that the Holy Spirit told him that he was not going to die until he sees the promised Messiah. And so he waited with open eyes. He waited with a devoted and, and, and righteous life. He waited in walking with the Holy Spirit. And so we know from Simeon that his was not a passive waiting. He shows up at the temple And he worshiped the Lord. He reads the Torah. And he believes in the promises of God, especially the one concerning the the promised Messiah that was to come. He waited for it in hope, in anticipation, in joy. And so what was most important was that he waited in obedience. He waited in obedience. God tells us to wait. If God tells us to do nothing, is that sufficient for us? If there's a season in your life where I'm just sitting here, I'm not going anywhere, I'm not moving anywhere, I ought to be further along than I am. You feel that tension. You feel that longing. God says that's not a waste. That's not a waste. And so 2017, maybe you're here. Uh, it's, it's not been a good year for you. Maybe maybe you've been so long since you heard from the Lord or, or felt close to his Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't even believe anymore. Maybe your faith is just not where it's supposed to be. And you wonder if all this time that we spend in church, all this thing that you have learned, is this a waste? Can I encourage you to consider three things? Number one. Let's redefine success, not by our accomplishment, but by our obedience. Can we just just think about success for a second? And the world says, how much have you done? And in, in Christ, have you obeyed me? Even if Simeon never gets to see the baby Jesus... Now, I know that's, that's, you know, God has promised, right? I know that. But what if he never got to see Jesus? Was his life a waste? You know, I have heard stories of, of, of families who decided, we're going to uproot our family, we're going to go to a, a third world, and we're going to do missions for the, rest, for the rest of our lives. And in the preparation, I heard this story, in the preparation, they were driving somewhere, someone ran into them, killed the whole family. Never got to go on the mission field. No, it's not a wasted life. Is that a wasted life? I think obedience is the key thing for us to understand that whether or not we do anything for the Lord, if we're obedient to Him where He has us, where He finds us, and I love the fact for our church as I look out here right? I know that I've prayed a lot of time, and some of you guys I'm really hard on, okay? I really want you to have a, a vibrant faith. But even if you have never experienced some big emotional moment or have a clear God encounter, yet you're still here. You remain faithful in worship and in giving. You continue to pray and to read the Bible. You continue to believe. That's real success. At the end of 2017, do you still believe that God is who he says he is, that God is good, that he is for you and not against you? That's success. Number two, so not only do we need to redefine spiritual success, but number two, we need to reject this passive waiting. You know, I know... That, that, you know, I elevated path you know, it's, it's just waiting, it's good, right? But there's a, there's a difference between waiting and passive waiting, right? And so we can wait in such a way that we're still active, that, that the doors to God is still open. We can wait by listening to what he has to say, continuing to seek him, continuing to do the things that we know that opens our doors and our hearts to the Holy Spirit. So be in the word. I have so many I've I've talked to in in our church and in all across Christianity. It's so hard to be in the word. People in our churches, they say, are very biblically illiterate. In fact, Pastor Steve is challenging our families this coming year, right, to read the New Testament together with your family. Right? Have you, how many of you guys have read the whole New Testament? All 33 books. How many of you guys have read it? Just be proud. Just say, hey. Hey like an Asian thing, you know, just raise it up, man. Right? Read the three, you know, I remember the first time I read through the whole Bible, okay? And I was in seminary, okay? And I was forced to read the whole Bible because that was part of our class. And it was a chore, you guys. It was a beast some nights I was sitting there I'm saying, like, "God, if I have to read another psalm, I'm going to start singing praise songs to death." You know. You know, I I I just I just I was just I remember that time when I read Revelations 21. I was at the library at Multnomah Biblical Seminary, and I finished it, and I marked in my book, finished my Bible the first time through, and I marked the date. It was pretty big, okay? Then I go talk to my professor, and apparently, he's very discouraging, okay? He reads the Bible through three times a year, (coughs) because that's what he does, okay? And I'm like, you know, I don't, want, I don't like you. I'm never taking a class from you again. And so, but my point is, find a Bible plan. And read through it. Continue to be open. Find a community. Man, there, there's small groups all around our churches. Right? Just, if you don't have a small group, if you're not connected here at SCAC, if you're not finding yourself close to someone here, I invite you, please consider for 2018... Come and join a small group. We have some open groups, and if you want to form your own, come talk with me or to any of our deacons. Be in community. And how about 2018, take a risk. Take a risk. One of your friends or co-worker, take a risk and share the gospel with them. You know, if you need practice, just, just grab a baby. There's lots of babies. your hey, Finn's right here. Just grab a baby and practice on the baby. I said, do you know Jesus? <laughs> oh, I'm glad you know. Okay, right? And practice on the baby. I know it's silly, but where I got my, most of my gospel preaching practice was when we used to do our VBS. And they always asked me, hey, Ton, can you help me a counselor? I said, yeah. I'll mess the kids up, right? It'll be fun. And they always said, "Tung, can you go s- talk to this three-year-old and share the gospel with them? Have you shared the gospel with a three-year-old? Julie and I have a bunny at home. It's like talking to a bunny, right? And so, I, I, you know, you just feed them a cracker, and then, then they'll listen for another 20 seconds. Then they'll move on to another thing. But you've got to make it real simple for them. you got to make it real simple. And so, yeah, how, reject passive waiting. Continue to do the things that God knows that you know God delights in. Be in community. Be in the word. Be in prayer. Be sharing the gospel. Number three. Um, so not only redefine spiritual success, reject the passive waiting. Uh, number three, have grace for yourself. Have grace for yourself. None of us, I know. None of us are ever where we want to be. We're never skinny enough. We're not smart enough. We're not pretty enough. We're not whatever enough. It would be so it would be so refreshing. If I can talk to someone and say, you know, I know I need to be here. I know I need, I wanted to do this. I did not accomplish this. I failed miserably in this area, but I think God still loves me. Have grace for yourself. Be patient in the work that God is doing in you. As you continue to press in, as you continue to go to church, continue to worship, continue to be in fellowship, have patience. And grace for yourself. You know, ask God for forgiveness and receive it. Ask people for help and receive it. Don't give up. You know, churches are built on the backs of men and women who are faithfully obedient in the little things. It's not built on, on me, or on someone who does big stuff up front, right? It's built on you. the little things that you do, the prayers that you pray, the, the, the tithing that you give, the hours that you volunteer. That's what the church is made of. It's not made out of these big people up here. So because you were born, I mean because Jesus was born and you were born, your past, your waiting, your life is not a waste the first thing so and the second thing we move on here the newborn king means that the death that death is a promise fulfilled for those who are in christ a newborn king means that death is a promise fulfilled for those who are in christ now now have you ever thought about simeon okay god promised simeon what You will not die until you what? Until you see the promised Messiah. On the one hand, that's pretty awesome, okay? On the one hand, that's pretty awesome, right? You you get to see the one that God has promised all through the centuries. You guys excited about that? If God says, hey, you get to see Jesus, would you be excited about that? No. Okay. You don't look excited. Right? Right? I know. It's like... Everyone is like, okay, that is good news. But on the other hand, once you see him, you know you're going to die. You ever get that? You ever read that part in there? You will not die, Simeon, until you see the Christ Messiah. You will not die. And so, I was thinking this week. What would I do? Well, you know, I don't want to die. Right? Our biggest fear is death. Isn't that right? Nobody knows what to do with death. And so what I would do, I think, I would go to, like, Rome or something. You know, if the Messiah is supposed to show up in Israel somewhere, get as far away as possible. Right? Hey, if I don't see him, right, I'm, I'm literally defining God's promise. If I don't see the Messiah, I won't die. Have to live until like 200 years old. <laughs> is that, is that, is that right? right? If I don't see him, then that means I won't die. Now that, that's that, that, maybe that's me warp thinking. Wouldn't you avoid the temple? Wouldn't you move to Rome? Wouldn't you move to another country? Wouldn't you go somewhere far away? Would you do whatever it takes to not see the Messiah? If you so value your life. But Simeon does none of that. So imagine that day. Imagine that day. He wakes up normally, and the Holy Spirit prompts him, You need to go to the temple. And when you get to the temple, Simeon turns the corner and he sees a parent with a little baby child. He comes and he grabs Jesus as a baby. What is his emotion? What is he feeling? The text does not tell us, but we can have some clues by examining his incredible words, starting verse 29. He holds the baby, Jesus. And he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. His first emotion, you hear that—is one of worship. Because God has fulfilled his promise to Simeon. And beyond any doubt to him, at the end of his life, He declares that God is sovereign. That God, you are in control. That you are executing your plans for this world, for my life. The second emotion you can read in there is peace. You can dismiss your servant now in peace. You know, it is one thing to know that God is in control. It is another thing to know that in his sovereignty... He chooses to come and save you. And that's it, a totally different feeling. the a totally different emotion. Totally different kind of peace. See, for, for Simeon, this whole Messiah thing, it's no longer a theory. It's no longer hope. It is no longer wishful thinking. Here it, he is in real life. The promised Messiah who would come. And he gets to see him. The baby. All those prophecies he studied and read about. Here he is. God himself becomes touchable and real. Sin and brokenness is no longer the last word. Even death even death becomes another world another door into a greater life and so he responds i'm at peace now you can dismiss me i can die what an incredible statement this man this whole life waited for this moment and here he comes And he sees the Savior face to face. And he says, because you are the Prince of Peace, I can have peace. And I can go. The third emotion is actually not an emotion, but rather a lack of emotion. It's a lack of fear. Do you notice there's no fear? If Simeon was anxious about dying... He does not show it by his words. In fact, he shows the opposite, doesn't he? Because sovereignty leads to trust. And peace brings increased trust. And together, they push out fear. Even death, even death cannot erase the peace and the trust that he has. And so let me ask the question, what in our lives is stronger than death? What in your life is stronger than the fear of the unknown? See, for Simeon, it was was when he saw the promised newborn king, and he knew that the sovereign God is not only sovereign, but he's also good. And he can be trusted. And so in light of this, I want to give you two challenges for 2018. Number one, can can you do something this year that fear has kept you from doing in the past? You know, every time I talk to someone, right, every time we sit down and have a conversation in my own life, too, you know, there is something in my life that fear keeps me from doing. For example, maybe in 2018, you go on a mission trip. You've never been on a mission trip before. You've always heard about mission trips. You know, it's kind of crazy to go to another world, another country, I mean, a third world. Go somewhere. doesn't have to be China. By the way, you know, guys, really? Like, we're a Chinese church. We don't always have to go to China, okay? Right? We have a place in, in, in Africa you can go to. Go to Tanzania. If you guys, some of you guys have a lot of money you don't know what to do with. Let me tell you. Right? Go. Buy a first-class ticket. Fly to Africa, right? Tell us about it. You know, we we want to we run with you. We want to walk with you. There's, you know, there's so many places. Go on a mission trip. How about um, some of you, maybe uh, go, go get yourself a counselor. I know that's a taboo to- topic here in the Chinese church, right? Go see a counselor. Work through some of the emotional baggage that you know you carry and the pain that is deep inside your heart, go see one. If you need recommendations, come talk with me. You know, I saw one. It's so helpful. How about, how about, uh, how about go back to school? Some of you are thinking about going back to school. That's kind of scary. You know, as we get older, it's like it's harder to learn. But maybe it's a good year to do it. How about getting into a small group or serving in the ministry at church? You know, I think a lot about the stuff we, we don't do because we're afraid. If the worst thing that could happen, okay, let's say you go to a third world country, let's say some of you crazy people, right? right you say, I'm, you know what? Forget it. Tongue challenge me. I'm going to go to Afghanistan, right? I'm going to go to Afghanistan. I know uh, the youth row right there, they're laughing because they're, seriously, I'm praying for you guys. Go to Afghanistan, okay? Um, the worst thing that could happen to us. Is that they kill you. And what did Simeon say? Right? Death is but a promise fulfilled. (laughs) So on the other side, you're done. You don't have to do any more evangelism. You don't have no more youth pastor breathing down your neck. You have, you're done. You're just with Jesus. Even your theology is perfect. (laughs) How about that? The worst thing that could happen to us is death. What are we afraid of? And I know. I know when I say that. I know I don't want to take it trite. It's not a small thing to take this much risk. So do something that fear has kept you from doing in the past. The second thing, um, we're talking about death, right? You got to let something die in your life that needs to die. 2018. It's just, just let something die in your life that needs to die. What do I mean by that? Maybe you're in a relationship that's kind of toxic. You know, Pastor Roy has talked a lot about relationship, toxic relationship. Maybe there's a sin that you struggle with. You know, that, that, that's, that, that's kind of controlling you and me. All these, maybe that needs to die you got to let that die. Maybe it's it's your identity that's tied up with the idols of success and grades and and money and the right schools. Maybe maybe that pride that needs to die. Maybe that that whatever it is in all of our lives, something needs to die. And and maybe, can I challenge you for 2018 that you just let it die, kill it? Put your foot on top of it. I know it's not as easy as that. I know that. But there's something in our life that needs to die. Because on the other side, there's life. There's always more life. That's what Simeon saw. That the other side of death is real life. And the proof is in the baby. Take us to the third thing. Keep rolling here. Newborn King means that his kingdom and salvation is our mission and our message. The newborn king, because Jesus was born, it means that his kingdom and his salvation becomes our mission and our message. Look again in Simeon's words: Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Do you hear the missionary call? As he looks at baby Jesus, he immediately thinks, God, you have done this in the sight of all nations, not just Israel. This is a baby Jesus. Jesus is to be for all the world. It's a missionary call. And so, let me ask this question. How, how, how is Simeon, when he looks at Jesus as a baby, and Jesus has not yet done anything, okay? He has not gone to the cross and be resurrected. How can he looks at that baby and says, your salvation, this is your salvation? I was thinking about this a lot this week. And, and in the ev- evangelical traditions, we often think of salvation uh, as something that was achieved for you and I through Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the grave. And this is very true and right and wonderful. It's a celebration. But what I think we fail to emphasize is that a big part of salvation also has to do with Jesus' sinless life. How Jesus lived his life is as much a part of our salvation as his death and resurrection. And Simeon, he understood that. He said, our salvation, the consolation of Israel... Is not just an act, but a person, real life human being who was fully human, fully God, and lived among us. You know, it was 30 years in obscurity. You guys know that, right? Jesus spent 30 years probably working as a carpenter, just going through the motions, you know? 30 years of puberty, right? Going through puberty, and having crushes, and having acne, going hungry. Like all of us, that's Jesus. How he lived his life is as much part of our salvation as his death and his resurrection. So there's huge ramifications for this. When we properly emphasize Jesus' life in, in our understanding of salvation, I'm going to give you three, okay? I know everything is in Trinity. It's, it's good. All right. Number one, one big thing, it's not enough to simply ask Jesus into your hearts. We must also live like him. I know that that's, that's, that's a no-brainer, right? But I, let me emphasize something, right? In our culture, in our church culture, you know, every time, are you a Christian? Well, I prayed the prayer when I was in four, fourth grade. And my teacher said, hey, you want to go to hell? It's really hot. Or you want to go to heaven where there's lots of candy? <laughs> well, it's a fourth, you know, in the fourth grade, I'm like, okay, I like candy. Let's go, right? And then you do it again sixth grade. And then you do it again in seventh grade. And you do again at a camp in tenth grade. Right? And then you go to another retreat in college and you know, I did it. Five times I did it. And your life lived nothing like that. Salvation is not earned by our actions. I know that. But Jesus demonstrated for us by living each day in surrender to his Father's will, even At the cross, that's the surrender of his life. Therefore, in salvation, our lives must reflect our surrender to God. 2 Corinthians 5.15, Paul writes, And Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and and was raised again. Guys, that's so critical. Examine your life. Here at the end of 2017, test yourself. To see if you are really in the faith. Don't assume that you are saved, brothers and sisters, simply because you go to church and you do certain things. You, you pray the prayer. Examine your life. Another big ramification is what is the mission of our lives? What is the mission of your life? Simeon speaks of the baby Jesus as God's salvation which he has prepared in the sight of all nations. And, so, and, if, and if you read Jesus' life and his words, you, can, you cannot escape with the real, without the realization that Jesus was all about his father's business, right? And he sends his disciples out to accomplish the mission that God has sent in him to start. Therefore, in salvation, we are to be on mission as we live to build God's kingdom and not ours. A saved life is a life that's on God's mission, not on ours. I always ask this question. Which kingdom are you building? Whose kingdom are you building? I have to ask you. you know, if you're honest, know that God calls us a saved person to be about God's business building God's kingdom. Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 10, freely you have received, freely give. It's a life of giving. The third thing, this third ramification, if we emphasize Jesus' life is what is the message of our lives? You know, if Jesus came and he hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes, if, if he elevated the women and the poor, and he reserved his harshest criticism for the church leaders and religious leaders. Who do we hang out with? What is our circle of friends? Who do we relate with? How do we view homosexuals and racists? How are we to respond to the poor, the refugee, those facing possible deportation? How do we love those most difficult to love? You know, this has been quite heavy on my heart this week because uh, uh, I do not love the poor well. Now, I, I want to share this with you. I want to confess this before you. Uh, a man came to our church, and, uh, and he asked for help. He shared that his family uh, was homeless and could really use some assistance. And so what I could do uh, for him at that time was I was able to give him some of our gift cards Uh, some groceries, uh, gift cards to Safeway and such, and you can buy those things. But for some reason in our conversation, I don't know what it was, I offered to to also help get him something for his kids for Christmas. And I said, maybe I can, you know, get some coats or some donation. And the time drew near, I completely forgot. And he called, and he called, and I never called back. And the the short story is this, that I let him and his family down. And what really got me as I was thinking about Christmas is how many, I wonder how many people in his life has promised him something and not delivered. What message did he hear from me as a church leader in the way that I neglected him and his family? While at a banquet, Jesus in Luke 14 says this Jesus said to his hosts, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. What a radical way to live. Jesus' life, his radical message of his life is to be our message. And so for 2018, in light of the newborn king, I pray that your life would be like his that we would engage in God's mission to our community and to the nations and to the opportunities that God has given us here at SAC. And may we clarify our message through right actions so that those around us will see him as good and not flaky. Last thing, wrap it up here. Newborn king means that there is no middle ground with Jesus. Simeon blessed him, verse 34, and said to him Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Jesus continues to do this. You're either for him or you're against him. There is no middle ground. He causes the rise and the fall of nations and people and ministries. He reveals the hearts of many. I'll always remember a co-worker's response when I was working uh, for the DOT. I always respond. When I shared the gospel with her, I I remember her. She said this to me. God could not love me. I've done too many horrible things. What she did not say was, yeah, yeah Jesus was a good teacher, and, and I like his words and his love, and, and I think he's a really cool model to follow. He, she did not say that. No, it's really true. We either love Jesus and fall on our face and worship him, or we try to kill him. And remove all existence of him in our lives. And ignore him in our busyness. (coughs) There's no middle ground. So what will you do with this newborn king in this newborn year? You know, I just want to give this time. I want to invite you. And ask that you spend a moment with the Lord and, and spend a moment in surrendering something in your hearts to him. If there's one thing, ask him. Maybe I have to, you guys come up. Ask him, God, what is one thing I can do this year that you want me to do this year that would move me closer to your heart? And, and it's not, it doesn't need to be something big. It just needs to be something that says, God, I'm open to you. And you know what? Here's a challenge. Why not start 2018? What a better way to start? Surrendering our hearts. You know, I, and I know, I know I ask this a lot. But I do not assume that everyone in this room belongs to Christ. And so I invite you in this moment of silence and they're going to sing a song in a few minutes here that invite you to just consider God what do I need to put to death so you can have more of me? What do you want me to do so you can have more of my heart? There's no greater thing to live for and to die for than the one who created us and calls us. The Lord bless you for this time. So close your eyes maybe and spend this time with the Lord. Jesus, would you speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Give us one thing, Jesus. Give us one thing that we can do right away, one specific thing that we need to kill or or whatever it is, Lord, give us one thing so you can have all of us, you can have more of us. We need you. We're desperate for you. In Jesus' name. Spend this time with the Lord.